0: Like, you remember back in the day when you would be on the phone with your girlfriend and all the, yeah. all the phones were wired and your mom would pick up and you could hear somebody on the... They weren't saying no words, but you could hear somebody on the... That's what it sounded
1: like. Just breathing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mom! That's okay. We,
2: we, we can we can edit that. I can also go back to the days of, you know, you, to connect to the internet and then someone picked up the phone to dial and
0: oh, yeah. you went off the internet. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I used to get down on the AIM chat you remember that
3: the intersection of good drinks good music and good times this is hops and spirits bar conversations
2: if you can't tell it's going to be a fun show and guess what there's a little bit of a takeover once again as the boys from Sutherland ask asked me some questions and we have a heck of a time talking with Matt Chase and Chris Rogers here, how they got their name, how they got into this, how they even became a duo. Uh, it, it's a fun chat. It's a great chat. And I also can't believe Whiskey Weeks 2022 is wrapping up. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you've learned a lot. And we still got more to learn as we talk Whiskey 101 and tasting notes with Chad Watson and going beyond Kentucky because, yes, there is some bourbon beyond Kentucky and it's pretty damn good as well. But let's not waste any more time and get into the show.
3: Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel
1: free to wait until this podcast is done.
2: Welcome back to another Whiskey 101 here on Tasting Notes, and joining us once again is Chad Watson, a.k.a. My Daily Bourbon on Instagram. He's part of the Bourbon Life crew. I really don't know why I had to look at that. I've said this enough times. I really should just have this ingrained in my head. <laughs> Welcome in, Chad. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, man. Good to be on as always. Uh, I, it's it's just I guess it's one of those days. where I just wanted to make sure I didn't screw it up. Uh, but I, I'm <laughs> glad glad you're joining us, and, and and it's fun too. You're part of our Con- this is on bar conversations, and you know we're going to get into the last topic. But I also think it's fitting because to I think it's you're right. You have some guitars that you just you know pull out and have
3: some fun and do some music with on occasion, right? That's yeah. I was sitting here the other night and was. you know i don't play in a band anymore but yeah to my right i do have uh some guitars just kind of right now just chilling but it is it is a nice thing for the summertime i i used to just show up at bars and would just sit down with an acoustic guitar and just play sometimes like i've I've been that guy who's like hey there's four people up on, on a stage or over in the corner i'm just gonna go sit down with them and we'll play i've not done that in a while i need to start doing that again
2: there you go well now you can get back out and have a have a little a little bit of fun
3: and 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 we're gonna have a little bit of fun because it is the
2: last last one of whiskey weeks 2022 doesn't mean it's our last whiskey 101 but at least for september we're Mm -hmm. finishing it off with bourbon beyond kentucky because a lot of people think oh kentucky that's the only place bourbon's ever been made only has has to be be made (laughs) in kentucky can't be made anywhere else only kentucky which is not exactly true, because like yourself, I think I've had a few good pours made beyond our borders of Kentucky.
3: Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, what's what's funny is is most of the stuff that people buy, or a lot of stuff people buy, is, is usually from Indiana or Tennessee, and they don't know it. But um, I mean, Texas. I I've, I've been saying this for the last couple of years now, and I think it's finally hitting. Texas is going to be a big one. With Still Austin, Balcon- Balcones, excuse me. Um, uh, I can't think of the other one. Um, what's the other big one from Texas?
2: Oh, I'm drawing a blank here. I, I had Still Austin, Balcones, and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm
3: drawing yeah, a blank Yeah, it's here. just going to drive me nuts. Um, but, I mean, you got places like Grayson who take – Grayson is a brand who takes all those distilleries and they blend it together fantastic stuff every time they post like hey we got a new batch i always comment like a thousand times when you send it to kentucky because i don't care if it's not coming here garrison and brothers garrison brothers there you go um uh, so i mean there's tons of stuff coming out of texas you've got indiana so i mean like this is ooh, this is from cardinal spirits in indiana which they source from mgp but uh, i mean tons of fun stuff um things like we know we were talking about off air which is barrel bourbon sourcing multiple states together i mean there's just a plethora uh people just get this stigma in their head of it has to be kentucky it has which these days kentucky does make a large portion of the whiskey but at one point in time you know it was coming from indiana and ohio and um you know without maryland and pennsylvania was right the production of rye whiskey i mean there might not even been a bourbon for a a style of bourbon or whiskey for us to be drinking today because at one point in time that's all there was it was all like the most majority of it was coming from that area
2: which is wild to, to think about like you said because nowadays so much is associated with kentucky but i also think too talking to a lot of folks you know whether it's Ohio, Texas, say, out, out in the Northwest, um, when people, a lot of these folks pull f- their grains from where they're from mm-hmm. and they get some unique flavors in, in their their bourbons that really shine through and are really fun to try.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like Woodenville Whiskey, uh, you you mentioned Northwest. Uh, Woodenville Whiskey is, is one of those distilleries who you think in that climate it's not going to be. Uh, it's it's gonna be a lot more useful and grainy, but it's not. You go you know you go to Nevada with Frey Ranch. I mean they are literally, mm. uh, I mean they farm their own grains. They are farm to glass of their stuff. Uh, even here in Kentucky, New Rift, New Rift doesn't buy a lot of local stuff. I mean they they I mean yeah you know, they they buy corn from a, a local farm, but. They're going to buy the best grain they can, Uh, and most of your big guys are doing the same thing. I mean, because rye is not really a native Kentucky grain. It doesn't grow very well. Malted barley usually comes from your, you know, Canada or up around that area. Uh, But a lot of big guys have moved into just buying corn and grains from other areas because it's it's just easier that way. So when you get into other states, like Texas. Uh, like starlight distillery in Indiana or Nevada or Washington or wherever those smaller people can't really afford to just go say hey we want to buy this corn from Europe because it is the best graded corn ever and if we buy you know 50,000 metric tons of it we can get it for a penny they don't have the kind of money to do that with so I mean they're they're really breaking their backs to to do this in which we had a conversation previously on craft distilleries and a lot of places i think a lot of people look at brands outside of kentucky as only as craft and i i think that's a bad way to look at it because some of those distilleries have been around for a while like i mentioned earlier you know whistle pig um and they've got a, a good backing behind them um i i can't there's one in virginia and ragged branch ragged branch virginia They've been around for a while, but a lot of people just, they look at those brands outside Kentucky and they just think craft. And that's, I think that's just a bad outlook to have.
2: Well, and, and to me too, that like you said, they're, they're making good products. I, I was thinking of this as you said this specifically in Texas. You might say, oh, two-year-old Texas, whatever, it's probably not going to be, it's going to be too young climates make a big difference too when they're storing stuff in their rickhouses or or maybe they've got a, a shipping container that, that they're u- using or whatever and things age differently too across the country which is wild to see too
3: yeah i mean garrison brothers is a big example i don't agree with their price point necessarily but i mean it it's what works for them and people love it garrison brothers sees a return of like 20 percent on a barrel i mean like they I think it was them who lost their entire first run of whiskey after two years. They came back, every barrel was dry. So, I mean, that that is quite literally like a, a bad investment on, on their end, but they have now figured out like this is what we need to do to at least guarantee we have some whiskey because their stuff is starting to get up there in age. Balcones is starting to get up there in age. Uh, I mean, the, the vast majority of them are still doing standard, rick houses but some of them are start, starting to do climate control uh like what we see with you know brown foreman or uh be more specific like woodford and old forest or or buffalo trace to kind of keep it so there's not as much evaporation quickly because uh, usually the first year in a barrel here in kentucky i think it's about 10 to 15 percent where in texas it's like 15 to 25 percent so that's a that's a big loss year over year in a, in a barrel um and and you go out further, you know, California and like Old Potrero, uh, I mean, with their malted rye. I mean, that's, they've been doing a malted rye for forever. And that used to be the style of rye from Pennsylvania and from Maryland was a malted rye. Then it comes, then here in Kentucky, you see a couple brands do malted rye and it becomes a big thing again. But there's, there's been a company out in California doing that for years now. That's the only, like, that's the only product they make. It's the only thing they've got It's a four-year-old now a six-year-old malted rye. So there is stuff out there. And I I think it's, you know, it's kind of, once I talked about myself earlier, but it's a little naive to not look outside of Kentucky because there's so many good brands out there. And there's so many uh, opportunities to expand your mind and palate uh, of what good whiskey is besides the big five or big six here in Kentucky.
2: Well, and I feel like too, you're going to get some unique flavors because like I said, like we said with the craft guys, in a sense, these folks are doing some different things. I think of the blue corn, specifically with Balcones, uh, you know, you think of other, other the malted, bar, malted rye, different things like that. They've probably honed these things in more so than even others that you could ever imagine. And they've been doing it for years.
3: Well, yeah. And, and like we talked about in a previous episode, I mean, they they... They may not be to necessarily afford to go out and do this but they don't have shareholders so you know if they have a bad run on a batch they've learned their mistakes they can move on but if if it does really well and excels like is in the blue corn like that's a huge product now like it just came to kentucky like baby blue is now a thing in kentucky like that you can go buy um which is nuts because the last two bottles i've had i've had to get someone else to ship to me
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if you're fortunate enough to do that Ask your friends, maybe maybe trade a few bottles from your your neck of the woods for, for something in their neck of the woods, because you got to drink it, you got to try it because you never know what you might like. Exactly. Well, Chad, I appreciate this as always. It's a fun time to chat and thank you for doing a little bit of whiskey one-on-one knowledge with us.
3: Hey I, as always, I appreciate you for having me. Um, it's fun. I love it. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at Hopspirits.com.
2: Joining us here on the Bar Conversations as we close out Whiskey Weeks 2022, you know, celebrate National Bourbon Heritage Month. I think this is the perfect way to do it. Joining us is Matt Chase and Chris Rogers from the country duo Sutherland. Guys, welcome in.
0: How's it going, man? Thank you for having us. How-
2: well, I appreciate you joining us, and I, I, I know all of us have some bourbon, so let's go around the horn. What are you guys drinking tonight?
0: Start us off, Christopher.
1: i first. I was just telling these guys, I've had this bottle for a while now. Uh, I've done some damage to it, so I decided to go ahead and just put the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> it's Russell's Single Barrel. Russell deserves Single Barrel, so I'm going to go ahead and finish this one off.
0: There you go. All right, I am having... Uh, we played a private party f- um, for a new distillery. Let me mic right here. I'm having company distilling. Um, we played a private party for them a couple weeks ago. It's Jeff Arnett, the former master distiller of Jack Daniels, um, started this uh, this uh, company there in, um, in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, and we were very lucky to go play for them. It's phenomenal whiskey, so that's going to be uh, me tonight.
2: And I'm guessing while you guys were there, you played, you drank a little, or do we played the fifth and don't want
1: to incriminate anybody? <laughs> it's more like we drank and played a little. I'll tell, you,
0: how- I'll tell you a funny story about that. They built this beautiful stage outside. And where this distillery is located, I mean, it's like in the valley surrounded by the Smokies. I mean, it's picture-perfect gorgeous. And they had a big festival stage outside, and we get there, beautiful day. We have the full band with us. We sound check. Major thunderstorm rolls in. Major thunderstorm rolls in. Can't play outside. There's lightning in the area, so we let the boys in the band have the night off. Chris and I grabbed our acoustic guitars and we actually played inside uh, the distillery. And uh, man, it was it was actually really really fun. We made it work, but
1: it was a lot of fun.
2: I, I like that. That that's that's you know a memorable show for everyone, and and oh, because yeah. it is you know the end of Whiskey Weeks, so I I decided to crack open a good bottle of uh, Blood Oath Pack Number Eight from uh, Lux Row here in, okay. in Bardstown, so Kentucky. So a little little fun stuff to to finish off the month. All but all right. So I'm guessing you guys enjoy you know when you're traveling around, are you finding some good places to have a drink, or how does that go for y'all?
1: Dude, absolutely. I mean, one of our you know, I, I dare to say one of our favorite things to do after the show is, you know, go find a, a, a nice little spot, you know, Maybe have a a cigar if we can if we can get our hands on one of those. Um oh, yeah. You know, I'm a big Manhattan kind of old fashioned guy. So I mean, I'm in a big big bourbon drinker. Uh, so yeah, we we always like to unwind, you know, after the show. Oh yeah.
0: Man, you know, we kind of we've kinda pivoted over the years. I don't know if we're just aging or whatever, but you know, we used to be those guys, give me a case of beer and Uh, we'll find us a good time, but now it's, uh, you know, man, you can find us, like Chris said, a good, a good bourbon, whiskey, cigar, little, uh, um, little prohibition type joint, man, I'm in on that. Um, that's Uh, our thing now. I wouldn't say we're aficionados, but we're slowly leading into it.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't call myself that either. I just enjoy a good drink and get lucky enough to try some. I don't know how it happens, but I, I'm glad it does. And you, when you guys are having fun, I know you guys have kind of played together or been on the same bill, things like that. So you knew each other for a good while before you actually became one, so to speak. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, we we met through uh, a mutual friend of ours, Ray Fulcher, here in town. He's uh, another very successful singer-songwriter. And, uh, you know, I was I was at my house one day. Ray was coming over to write with me, and he goes, you know, I, I got this, this friend of mine, Matt Chase, that I'm going to bring into this writer. That's cool with you. And I was like, yeah, man, that's fine. And, you know, we came over, wrote a song that day. And within the first week, you know, me and Matt, we were out playing shows together. I mean, so we did that for a couple years before we even had the idea to, you know, become a duo
0: yeah you know it was one of those things to where um you know we were just two solo acts pretty new to Nashville, and you know you do what it takes to pay the bills I mean we if you had a, a place for us to sit and uh wanted to hear some some music man we played we played everywhere under the sun and um it was kind of one of those things I guess looking back now everybody saw us as a duo we would get booked as a duo. Hey, if Matt comes, bring Chris. If Chris comes, bring Matt. And it was a duo just without the title of a duo, I guess, but we were fully functioning and operating as one business for as long as I can remember, you know.
2: And when did it become actually, you know, the the duo that you are now? Like how did, did you just go, why are we not doing this together like on paper, like for real?
0: <laughs> a lot of people in Nashville had um kind of floated the idea to us over and over again. I um, mean, every show we played it was, hey guys, what are y- y'all are great? What are y'all's names? And I'd be like, oh Matt and Chris is like, no, 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 no. What's the band like what's the band name? And I'm like, oh no, we're just two buddies. And it was kind of getting around town like, hey, y'all are a duo whether you know it or not. So you might as well just be a duo. And it, it kind of happened super organically. I remember we were coming back from a two day run. Um, just he and I solo acoustic shows and on the way back to Nashville um, I just we just kind of started talking about like hey man should we do this like I don't know what this is we don't have a name I don't know what it could be but we've been kind of given some opportunities to 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 take the next next steps in our career um, if we just kind of figure it out and that's uh, we were both on the same page which was pretty crazy there was no no, there was no. I don't think so. I mean, it was just like, hey, you know, why not?
1: Yeah, you know, the biggest the biggest part about that um, was trying to figure out, you know, what we would be. You know, what 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 type of duo would we be? You know, uh, um, would we be you know more on the pop side? Would we you know do, you know, more traditional country? And you know that that led into the conversation of like, well, what songs made us want to move to Nashville and and pursue music in the first place, you know, and it was guys like, you know, Travis Tritt and Alan Jackson and George Strait, um, Brooks and Dunn, obviously, mm. you know, um, huge influence of ours, you know, so it's more, you know, I don't want to call it nineties country, you know, I don't, I don't want to like pigeonhole ourselves into that because it's definitely not nineties, you know, nineties was, it's an era, of, you know, which I, I feel like is one of, one of the greatest eras of country music, you know, oh, yeah. then we, Know, lead into like the 2000s early 2000s of, of stuff you know so yeah. just very uh, very organic you know more more band driven stuff you know we don't run a lot of tracks on our shows we we like to keep our tracks quote unquote uh, more complementary and you know so if that if the tracks were to go down we can still put on the show so to say, yeah you know? so.
0: I'll tell you what's kind of crazy about it man is you know when we started Sutherland, when you thought duo, you didn't. You weren't thinking Brooks and Dunn at the time. You were thinking more of like the FGLs of the world. And it seems like once we started, you know, we have a ton of steel guitar in our music, a ton of guitar bends, guitar licks, and we get painted with the '90s country thing right off the bat. And you know, it's like we like say, like, hey, listen, I love '90s country, but you know, we're just whatever you see on stage is what you hear, you know it's very band led it's very instrumental led um but yeah we get we kind of get that 90s country thing a lot which you know is a huge compliment i'll take it because it's like chris says greatest era country but um but you know it's also more than that you know you want to appeal to a fan base that maybe wasn't born in the 90s you know um so you know when we for me
2: you know the late 80s
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know we uh it was a very simple conversation when we decided, hey, let's be Sutherland. You know, the, the immediate next question was, hey, if we're going to do this, like, we're going to do it our way, regardless of what happens. And, uh, man, we've been very lucky to, to be able to do it our way. And it seems like people really appreciate it and love the sound. And, you know, we're building on it every day.
2: And I I feel like probably the hardest thing was coming up with the name. I read a little bit about it. I still oh, I wish do,
0: I already know what's coming.
2: Palmetto peaches would have been great. Although I got another one. I was talking to Everett back a while back and they when they were going through their list, one of them was like Double Denim. So I don't know Palmetto peaches or Double Denim, which could could be
0: worse, better or worse, however you want to look. Double it. Denim kind of sounds like a off the interstate Gentleman's club. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> wow i Could would,
1: you imagine imagine this the first album they put out is the canadian tuxedo yeah that's, what I, that's where my mind
0: <laughs> exactly looking like dumb and dumber canadian tuxedos <laughs> um the coming was, up coming up with the name was actually uh a story of nightmares man um it was really tough like you don't realize it's like hey once you once you choose it that's it like you ain't there's no going back there's um you know it is what it is and You know, my family was chiming in. Chris's family was chiming in. Some very not great names. Palmetto Palmetto Peaches is one of those that we had to very politely shut down pretty aggressively.
1: I interject right here. The reason that came up is because, you know, Matt's from South Carolina. I'm from Georgia. So Palmetto Peaches, like good intentions, but just just –
0: The thought was there. The thought was there. (laughs) I just don't think I could get anybody to actually take us seriously with, please welcome to the stage, you know them, Palmetto Peaches. I feel like people would be like, I'm at the wrong show. I got to get out of here.
2: Like you're at Uh, a Vegas lounge act.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, I'll tell you how we came up with the name was we were a bunch of geniuses back then, and we decided let's go do a two-night run in Maine – in late December, real <laughs> smart play that we had. I mean, like okay. Chris said, I'm from South Carolina, he's from Georgia. Like, we don't do cold. That's not a thing. So we're driving to Maine and full blizzard situation. We're just – Again again with Ray. Yeah, again so, with Ray Fulcher. And we just Ray, don't – we don't know what a, we're doing. We don't know why we're going to Maine. We've never been to this place in Maine. It's pretty much touching Canada. So, you know, you have 100 hours to kill. I mean, it's so dang far from Nashville. So we're in the van with us two and then Ray and his band. And this is the height of trying to figure out a name. So we just decided to kind of open up the, open up the request live, you know? <laughs> hey guys, we got any names? Love to hear them. And just yet again, no one's coming up with anything. But what happened was, is as we were getting into Maine, you know, none of us had ever been there. So one of Ray's band members was Googling, like, things to do in Maine. You know what? You know how people do when they go visit a new place. Like, what do I do here? And uh, you know, we're all kind of history buffs. He goes, "Man, this is really cool." He goes, and I get this wrong every time. So Chris is ready to. I can feel him ready to correct me because he does this every time. But there, there was. I'll let you take him here because I don't. I don't want to mess it up because this well, happens every thing. Uh,
1: well, it's a uh, it's a a shipyard or a, a, is actually it's called Bath Ironworks, and it is where the USS Sutherland was built back in the day. So it was like, a, I think it was a battleship, but some kind of naval ship that was built in Bath, Maine. It's called the USS Sutherland, and he was just like reading off random facts about Maine. And dude, as soon as he said that, I mean, everybody in the van just kind of perked up, you know. We were like, man, that's really, that's really cool. Like, I've never really heard that before. I never really considered that. But, you know, we were trying to, you know, tip the hat to, to South Carolina and Georgia and growing up in the South. So it was just kind of, you know, kind of played off the Southern land. So, yeah. uh, yeah, no, not like a prolific story by any means, you know, it's not like the, the gates of heaven open up and we had this, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it was just, it was just like, it, it caught our ear and it was just something different, man. I was, no. I was like, man, that sounds like a, a duo name that I could you know hang my hat on and I could see it on the flyer and I can see it on a sign and I could, I could sit here and, and tell you that it's not Palmetto Peaches and be proud of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was kind of like when you know you know. Now yeah. we have we have uh, been through the ringer since we get Southerland quite a bit. We get Southernland regardless if there's the N or not. People just want to say Southernland. Um, but you know what? Uh, it's it's one of those names. It's like Chris said. It's more than a name. It's it's a brand. When people go to hear your music, that's the first thing they're looking at. What is this? And um, and yeah, it's that's how we came up with uh, with our world altering name. So <laughs> here we are.
2: Well, it seems fitting with just how everything worked. You guys weren't you know everyone called you a duo to begin with, and then someone else kind of came up with the name. It it yeah. seems like. It, <laughs> As how we've been have talking gone. about
0: it, my mind has been just drifting back to the days of of uh, of the names that we were given. There was, there was another one that was real high on the list that was really kind of put on us for a while. It was called Chasin' Rogers. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was Chase and Rogers, but when you say it, it sounds like Chasin' Rogers. So it sounds like I'm chasing Chris all around the town. <laughs> so we were like, we just can't. We can't do the Chasin' Rogers thing. You know, well, Brooks and Dunn's got it going on. We can't do
1: yeah. that. It's natural to, to do the last name thing, and, you know, Brooks and Dunn, that, that just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. But. Chase and, and then you flip
0: it like Rogers and Chase. Well, that just sounds like a real bad musician or a magician duo, you know. <laughs> um, so we we, well, we led, we got to where we needed to go it's, <laughs>
3: eventually.
2: <laughs> some things just work out. And, you know, I know as, as you guys are putting out some new music and we'll, we'll touch on that here in a second, but I also want to say to Matt, congrats on the engagement. I know it's been Thank a, you, a little while, but congrats on that. How, how's you. that going?
0: <laughs> man it's great it is uh it is full force around here you know we have a house together now we're getting a little um red golden retriever dog this weekend we're we're just going full we're going full life around here man um no but seriously she's she's incredible um you know i say this we have a song of ours called "World without you and i say this before the song was like a talking point was um there was a period of my time, and Chris can kind of attest to this, where settling down wasn't on, on the radar. You know, it was the honky-tonk lifestyle, man. Speaking of bourbon whiskey, there was a lot of that going on. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where I I was so focused on wanting to be a musician that, like, hey, oh, I can't I can't find love. Like, that's going to take away from the dream. And, and then uh, I met uh, Abby at a Halloween party, and all that went out the window, man. She's incredible and uh you know chris's wife katie and abby it's a huge testament to them to put up with this lifestyle you know us kind of wanting to be country singers is a hard pill to swallow sometimes and uh i can i can say they're probably our two biggest fans that we have i mean they love that we're chasing our dream and uh they put up with us being gone on the weekends and doing whiskey podcasts and uh, We'll see how no, they it's... feel after. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 great, man. So I'm I'm excited about the next chapter of life, you know.
2: And, and Chris, are you giving him pointers? Because I know you. I think you and your wife just celebrated one year. So are you passing along pointers to Matt?
1: <laughs> man, I you know he's got it figured out. You know he knows he he knows what what Abby's expecting. You know nothing but the best. <laughs> he knows happy wife, happy life. He knows the mantra yeah. around here. I was going to
2: say, that's the only bit of advice I can give. (laughs) I'm coming up on 10 years. So that's, that's, that's the best I can give.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like I said, it's, I, I wouldn't, I I don't want to say it's easy, but you know, I think we got lucky in the girl department and they, they really, um, they really understand what we're, what we're after. And, you know, it's a frustrating business. Sometimes if you need a place to land, they're the two best people to land in. And, uh, it's a good thing that we're in a duo because I'll be driving home and, uh, you know, maybe I had a little too much whiskey at the night before and I know Abby's about to call and be like, uh, What did you tell Katie? Okay, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we. <laughs> you know, it's like you Are you, are you giving away something.
2: all your secrets? Are they going to now know?
0: Or do they already know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're about to edit that out. <laughs> and, and, Chris, Let's is it.
2: it is it true that. um. Jurassic Park theme song was involved in your wedding
0: who's telling you all this information how do you know about palmetto peaches and all this
2: I do my research
1: <laughs> and uh, I can't I, honestly I can't take the credit for that that was uh that was my wife Katie's idea you know she wants she snuck that little that little Easter egg in there but it less less I, I just want to clarify this this was not the Steven Spielberg theatrical version <laughs> this was the, the stripped down string quartet. So it was funny, man. Cause I think it was during me and Katie were talking about this. Uh, I think, I think last month. And, um, I was like, I cannot believe we had the Jurassic park theme song in our wedding. And I couldn't remember like exactly when it was, but she told me that it was like during, uh, like the family that was walking down. So it was so funny to see like all the grandparents like walking down. they're like, looking, they're like, I really, I think I know this song. And it's, <laughs> It's like the string quartet version of Jurassic.
0: Park. And then here comes a multicolored, open-top Jeep, and then someone's in a dang T-Rex yeah. outfit. It was, it was, yeah. you know. What? That, you should have just been, gone full dinosaur I, theme. That
1: would have been awesome.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, with
2: with, I was gonna say, with you know all the love that you guys have for your, your wives and, and fiance, soon to be wife, have you ever written songs about them, or, or is that kind of you know weird or is that something you you hope to do
1: no man i mean i think you know being you know songwriter you draw inspiration from the things that you know about you know i think that's where the the best songs come from and uh, you know like matt said you know we have song world without you that you know we wrote about abby you know he uh i think they had been dating for you know a couple months and things were getting serious and you know came in and he was like you know it's kind of Laid his heart out on the table and uh, you know, I kinda did the same thing right before Katie and I got married. You know, I'd I'd been wanting to, you know, surprise her with a song for our wedding. And uh, we have a song called Three Minutes. That, a Little
0: Easter egg for uh, you here for the future. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> kind of did the same thing, you know. We we got together with uh our, our buddy Greg Bates and Marv Green and uh sat out on Marv's uh, little side porch one day and kind of you know spilled all my love about you know i gushed over katie there for a minute and uh, man we we turned out the song called three minutes and i ended up surprising her with uh the song for our first dance so it was it was really cool moment you know so it was awesome those kind of things are you know as much as as much stuff as you uh, i say that very very politely stuff as much stuff (laughs) as we up with you know you know chasing this dream and going out and playing these shows and writing songs and, you know, jumping all the hurdles that we have to, to, to handle, you know, uh, moments like that really, make it, really yeah, make it
0: work. absolutely.
2: And, you know, when you, you guys are coming up with song ideas, <clears throat> is it something as simple as, obviously, pulling on experiences when you're talking about, you know, the ones that you love in your life, but I think I, like, boot up. Was that, was that really... You heard your writing partner say something about I got to get my computer to boot up, or the internet needs to boot
0: up, or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's not I'm literally sitting in the same room.
0: Like I have a little spare bedroom at my house. And uh, do you have recording devices in our homes? Like you, <laughs> you, you, you have some great research. I, I mean, know. <laughs> that's making me I drink. By the way, here's a great sound.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, topped we were her at, off. We we this was in the the middle of the quarantine back in the day. You know the the thing that we don't like to the, the big C. We know it. Yeah, we don't like that. We don't like to say that word. But um, yeah, we were in the middle of of quarantine and you know still still writing a ton. You know, so we did a lot of writing over Zoom. Um, and that's one of those songs that I don't think we probably would have ever written if it had not been for that because that's where the idea came from matt was on and i was sitting here talking to him like this and we had our other uh, co-writer on that song austin taylor smith and we were all just sitting there waiting on the fourth guy uh greg bates again you know we we write with him a ton he produces all our stuff he does a great job but man we were sitting there waiting on greg and he texts me and he goes hey man i'm running a little late and i'm waiting on my computer to boot up and i was like that's such an weird way to say that like I, uh, like why can't you uh, You know it just hit me in that moment and he got on and we were just like kind of ragging him for a minute and you know we were trying to figure out what to write that day and i was like man why don't we write that song you know it just started out very light-hearted. Yeah. Why do and we write this song boot up you know and then you know kind of put that little spin on it
0: well i know this is hard to believe but you know when you're stuck in your house 24 hours a day and you're writing every single day, just like we're talking now through a computer screen. Inspiration pretty low,
3: <laughs>
0: and so you're just cut, You're grasping for anything. Did a lot of this. Yeah, the, gotta tell you that we did it. We did a lot of that. We did a lot of Call of Duty. There was a big Call of Duty vibe going on there. But yeah.
1: you know, it, as bad as the as bad as you know that time was for a lot of people, you know, I feel feel like we found the in it, you know, because I think we came out of that time with a lot of a lot of great songs. So.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, and like when you guys are coming up with the those songs, do you guys come at it the same? Do you work together on on all of them with some co writers, or do you bring different ideas? How does that work for for y'all? Because I feel like everyone that I've ever talked to is a little different.
0: Man, we get this question a lot. Like, hey, tell me, how do you write a song? Like, tell me the process. And I wish I could give you some great answer, but man, it's it's a total mixed bag. There's some days you come in and the the idea is ironed out. Hey, I have this idea. This is a storyline. I wrote this first chorus and it's just off to the races. And then there's some times where you if you had a million dollars, you couldn't buy an idea. You know, you're just sitting in a room for hours looking at each other, like, I hope you come up with something. Man, I hope you come you know, it's like uh it, it's a total mixed bag, but um it's total inspiration, man. I'll tell you songwriters are some of the best listeners in the world. We you know I don't know how we got that trait, but you'll pick up on the most minute things, um, and you, you'll hear stuff and you'll kind of pretzel it in a way to make it unique, you know. <clears throat> and um, like Chris was saying earlier, you you write what you know, and I know a lot of people rag on country music, like oh it's just about Daisy Duke, girls, cold beer, and trucks and dirt roads, and uh, my response to that is the people that I hang out with. That's what we talk about tailgates, girls Daisy dukes and trucks and dirt you know that's that's the lifestyle and um, you know we we still we still try and be a little clever um, but man you just kind of you just kind of write the story and I will tell you 99.9% of the songs we write are terrible <laughs> <clears throat> And then occasionally you'll just get a stroke of genius and you know not not in a cheesy way, but you hope as a songwriter as an artist, the, uh, uh, something that starts simply as a empty computer screen or an empty white piece of paper could potentially change somebody's life and that there's something really cool about that and the the the, the tough part is you're trying to write a novel in three three and a half minutes you mm-hmm. know so but that's also the uh the fun part you know
2: I can't imagine why that's difficult. That doesn't seem <laughs> difficult at all. No, anybody <laughs> can do it, man.
1: And man, I mean, I don't know, like the crazy thing about songwriting is, is we talk about this all the time because we'll sit in the room sometimes and you'll beat your head against the wall for three hours and walk out of there empty-handed, and you can get down on yourself real quick. But man, if you got the right idea, we go. So, oh, a minute.
0: It sounded like somebody like picked up the phone. Really? <laughs> it kind of did. <laughs> like you remember back in the day when you would be on the phone with your girlfriend and all the yeah. all the phones were wired and your mom would pick up and you could hear somebody on the, they weren't saying no words, but you could hear somebody on the that's what it sounded like. Just,
1: just breathing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mom That's okay.
2: We, the- we we can we can edit that. I can also go back to the days of, you know, you to connect to the internet and then someone picked up the phone to dial and
0: oh, yeah. you went off the internet <laughs> so. man i'll tell you i used to get down on the aim chat you remember that the aim chat board or whatever it's like the it was text messaging before text was cool those, <laughs> we those might be some... dating
2: ourselves a little bit yeah on that <laughs> matter of fact let's edit that
0: out let's just talk about tiktok <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but when you, you guys are coming up with songs and stuff i mean how cool was it to do um i think it was Along those lines, talking about where you guys grew up and things like that, and is, I'm guessing that those areas had a big impact on you too.
0: Yeah, huge. You know, I say this in the show as well as, um, you know, when when Chris and I met, you know, like I said, the the first week we met, we played our first show together that weekend, and it was one of those things like me growing up in outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and him in a little town in Georgia. Even though those are hundreds and hundreds of miles away from each other, it sounded like he grew up down the street, like five doors down. And so it was just we kind of talked about that idea, and we're like, man, it it doesn't matter where you're from or or what your your street or cul de sac looked like, you know. We all grew up very similar. And once we started talking about like, oh, I did this, I did that. He's like, oh, I did this and I did that, and it was all the same stuff, and you know. And that's the the title of the song is. You know, if you grow up in a town like mine, it's probably something along those lines, you know. And, uh, yeah, that one just kind of happened, man. That one just kind of fell out. And that's still one of my favorite songs that we've been a part of writing.
2: And then, you know, as as you guys um, are putting out some new music, you got a new single, Underpaid and Overserved. I'm guessing I can figure out the inspiration for that
1: one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Matt uh, Matt sums this one up pretty well. You know, you know, there again, he's he's talked about, you know, we didn't always, we weren't always lucky enough to, to call songwriting and, and going out on the weekends and playing these shows our job. You know, we had real jobs at one point, you know, and uh, we're just kind of tipping the hat to all those folks that, that work those 9 to 5s and put in their 40 hours and, you know, They don't always get the light shined on them. They don't always, you know, stand in the spotlight and and get recognition. Uh, You know, they're out there working hard, getting underpaid for it. So they like to go out and have have a little fun on the weekends. Yeah, exactly. Serve. So
2: I like it. I like it. And then you know, even down the road. I mean, I know that's a a different vibe, but I'm I'm guessing that was a fun one to kind of write and just have a good time with.
1: Yeah. So like going back to, you know, during during the quarantine. I mean, that's another song that we wrote over Zoom because, you know, we were sitting around the house all the time, you I know, mean, like we were saying and man, we were just missing being able to to gather around with everybody, be with our friends and get with the band, go out and play shows and meet people and hang out and just get back to normal life, so to speak, you know. So we kinda channeled that energy and, and put it into down the road and we just wanted it to be one of those like fun, you know, roll the window down, crank up the radio song. So yeah i think i think we kind of nailed that
0: one i mean that for the first line of that song kind of set the stage you know there's nothing like the sound of good years on the ground a good one on the radio when you lay that hammer down and you don't realize how amazing that feeling is until you're not doing it you know and uh, that another one you know it's you just kind of fell out in the in the the right so and i can i can see we're all at the very tail end of our drinks too i saw you got another (laughs) four I poured me a new one. This I, I'm in trouble though. That's what I'm
1: saying. I only had about a, a...
2: if I go through the rest of this bottle, I'm not waking up tomorrow to go to my day job.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so wait, that. run that run that bottle by me one more time. What was that?
2: So it's called Blood Oath, pack number 8. It's uh from Lux Row. They do a re- release every year and it's a the, the master distiller will not tell you what is in it. Um, it, it, i mean they'll oh. tell you a little bit about it but not where he got it from um, and he says it because you wouldn't believe it if you if if he did and uh, and then they finish it in something like this one is in calvados casks which i I'd, I'd have to read the tiny print that um, i don't want to at the moment to tell you what that, <laughs> what that <laughs> is off the bat uh, but it's uh it's fun stuff and it comes Dude, in a what? fancy
0: box oh there you go where <laughs> That's awesome, man. This is what's interesting about
1: bourbon and whiskey to me. That That's like all the little nuances, you know, because like company, I know they're they're finished in uh, a maple, right? Yeah. Right, Matt? That yep.
0: Maple? Yeah, finished so it's got with that, maple wood.
1: Yeah. So it's got that sweeter, you know, kind of finish on it, you know? So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I get into craft beer because of those same reasons. It's, you can find all different kind of yeah. little niche markets of everything, so...
0: Well, I think, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty new, relatively new to the whiskey bourbon world. You know, now I've kind of got a problem because everywhere we go, I got to buy a bottle and what <laughs> have you. And But I, I don't know, man. I guess once you learn about it and you really kind of understand, like, listen, you don't even know. These distillers don't even know if their product's good for years and years, but they invest their whole lives into it. That's crazy. It's a crazy thing to think about. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, we just a quick story about us. A couple years ago, we would do a guy's trip every year. And what we would do is we would get in a van, a little 15-passenger van. There would probably be 12 of us. And we would go to Jack Daniel's every year. We didn't do nothing about whiskey bourbon, didn't care, didn't know a thing about it. We had a driver. (laughs) We had a driver.
2: (laughs) You were responsible. You drank responsibly. We We had a
0: driver we would go there and we would just tear Jack Daniel's up like we'd just get in there and we'd be trying to sample everything and um now looking back on it i was like man if what I, if i if only i knew what i knew now i'd probably really i'd probably wear that tour guide out because i'd be asking all kinds of questions but we've been very lucky to make a lot of friends and relationships in the whiskey bourbon world now so we're we're slowly becoming like like i see myself being that guy that has the big cabinet of whiskey bourbon. And the people are like, you're going to drink that? I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Like, you know, <laughs> this is just a nostalgia. And it's, um but You got to
2: open it. You got, well, maybe not all of them. Some of them you can save for the right time, but you got to enjoy it.
0: Well, let me tell you I, this. I say I'm, I'm, the,
1: I'm, I'm drinking it. I got, I'm, I, I'll am i i never be one of those guys that collects whiskey just to have it or cars. It's either got to be drank or it got to be driven. Yeah. Those rules right there.
0: Well, I, I'm over here talking to Big Game. I still have met a, haven't met a bottle of bourbon or whiskey that I haven't opened yet. So,
2: <laughs> well, and if but if you keep up down the road though of buying bottles, is Abby gonna eventually say no? Probably because I'm running out of space and I've been told no. <laughs> <So>. Probably.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Um, We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna shut that game down. You know, we're still in that honeymoon phase right now. She's like, "Oh, get you a bottle." You know, being all kind about it. At some point, we know it's like, Matt. No, we're not doing that. Like, you, we well, you gotta cut it out. But
2: as he's, got I don't a full, know, whole, not just a cabinet, a whole wall full of shells. <laughs> exactly. You Although know, that used, would look pretty cool.
0: I used to be the guy. You you know, you go to a restaurant and you just, hey, what you know, what light beer do you have on tap? I'll take it. But now I'm the guy that's like flipping the menu over. I'm going through, oh my God, the whiskey bourbon selection is incredible here. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's it's, all, it's 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 eating away at me, you know.
2: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's there's a nothing good hobby to have. It. It's a good hobby to
0: have. And, <laughs> and, and honestly, I know we don't have enough time, but I'd, om- I'd almost love to interview you. I'd love to know how you got into it and, the, and the, how the podcast <clears> came my- to be because you said you live in Bardstown. That's the well, epicenter. Well, technically right?
2: Lexington. Uh, but I, I can get down to to uh, Bardstown and Louisville and and all that, and it's weird, you know. I got into it, you know. Well, we can we can flip it up for for a little bit, and I've got as much time as you you guys hey, have. Hey, listen,
0: I got nowhere to be, buddy.
2: <laughs> and my wife really was the bourbon drinker. I was the craft beer guy all along. Well, where is craft she? At? She <laughs> she is uh, reading and about to probably fall asleep if I had. To to get. <laughs> Uh she she worked with kids all day and and one of them may, may have got the best of her today uh, as as an elementary school principal. Oh, but uh, but uh, so she always loved bourbon cuz like her family loved bourbon. My dad was a Miller Lite drinker. That's all I really knew until I kind of met her and then once we moved over here <clears throat> I didn't love like barrel aged beer, didn't love anything like that. Now that's like my favorite thing. During quarantine I started the podcast i had always had the idea i just never had the time um and uh i was like well i got time now and you know a hundred and some odd episodes later of uh doing it it's morphed into this where i'm sharing drinks with, with people that are fun fun to talk to because i'm not good enough to actually ask all these master distillers questions like like i don't know the nuances i don't you know taste it and you know get butterscotch and you know maple breeze and all all of that i'm not at that level not i don't know either. if i ever will be all
0: the notes I- and whatever
2: I can go. Oh, that's fruity. That <laughs> I like yeah. the taste of that. I like you know. Like I get some of those notes. I can tell you if it's awful. Can tell you that. <laughs> Couldn't tell you why I, I always lo- love things. But uh, and the weirdest part is like my next door neighbor, literal next door neighbor, is um, works at one of the bourbon distilleries here in in Lexington. He's their master blender. One of the friends I've gotten to know. Uh, his wife is the uh, single barrel program lead out at Buffalo Trace in in uh, Frankfurt. I'm like, how have I managed to meet these people? Which I mean, I guess when you like you're in Nashville, you meet those type, you know the same type of thing in the music world. I just yeah. it's just blowing my mind on, on who I've met and, and and things like that. And now I just enjoy it. I I enjoy it, and I get lucky enough sometimes to get sent stuff, and other times I just enjoy actually being able to find the bottle out on the shelf.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'll tell you, I've I've grown a huge respect for it. It's like you know I mentioned Jeff Arnett. A minute ago when we played with that company distilling show you know he was the um was the eighth or ninth distiller ever in jack daniels history ever Uh, seventh Uh, seventh. yeah old number seven yeah he's the seventh that's right i remember him saying that and you know this guy's a real this guy knows his stuff and you know we're out there at the grand opening and we're trying you know we, we he takes us back and we're trying it right off the line and He's like, oh, tell me what you think, and I'm like, God, what do I tell this guy? Like, <laughs> like you don't have a cheap, this is in front of you. <laughs> this is great, man. I love it. This is really great. I mean, but you know, I'm you know, I, I'm, just, I'm I'm kind of playing it. I'm like swishing it around. Like, oh yeah, this is like, yeah, I feel it. Um, but man, j- even just talking to that guy, it's like as crazy as it is with whiskey bourbon. Like, at some point in the night, he was talking about you know he you know he's one of the curators of the Sinatra. Um, line at jack daniels and him talking about them like what how did i end up here like how am i talking to this guy about something that he made for the sinatra family which is probably the most legendary family in america you know it's like i don't know
1: yeah like of the night we're sitting there talking to him about that and he's telling us how you know he made you know four or five six different blends whatever it was and he sits down with with frank sinatra's daughter at her dinner her house. And Frank Jr., and they're all sitting there and they're sampling these things. And she's pulling out pictures and showing, you know, family photos of Frank Sinatra, man. And at the end of the night, he had in his mind which one that he was his favorite, but he didn't let them know that. And she ended up picking that one. And that's yeah. the, the Sinatra line that Jack Daniels came it's out. Like that. Kind it's of, crazy. Matt's right, dude. It's like you're standing there in that moment, and I'm like, I, this, this is crazy where like music has led us like we're, we're and then in towns in tennessee company distilling t- talking to jeff arnett the number seven master distiller at jack daniels who left to do his own thing and like he was involved in that kind of caliber you and, know.
2: insane
0: it, it's, and, it's fun
2: it's fun and it's you know, awesome. you had the Russell reserve i i got to talk to greg snyder who isn't at wild turkey anymore but he's the one that came up with Russell's reserve to kind of pay pay homage because they had, they just had stocks of stuff in the back that they kind of needed to get rid of. And you're like, that's literally how this came up. You had a guy with a spreadsheet that said, what are we doing (laughs) with these barrels? And you came up with what is now probably one of the, (laughs) one of the best selling things there is. And it's just like, really? I, I, uh," but I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you guys do. You come up with ideas, you write them down. Next thing you know, they're, they're, they're
0: a big hit. It's, it's, it's crazy. I think it's the same concept, man. You, these distillers and these companies, they start with nothing, but in all they start with is an idea and mm-hmm. it's, and it's an experimentation process. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, take that out put this in and then we'll see what hat comes out the other side. And that is, I mean, that's the music business right there. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, we've been very lucky to, to go to a lot of distill, you know, what's you know, it's crazy. I know this is insane to even say, you know, we live in Nashville, Tennessee, have never done the Bourbon Trail, ever. What's wrong with us, man? We've never done it.
2: Well, now you can make a, a trip out of it, you know, take the wives, they, they, they've got, they got all we're sorts gonna of things to you, see. We're going to grab you, we're
0: going to grab your wife, and we're just going to all pop out there. We're going to grab your neighbor, you know, hey, you got any, like, backstage ads?
2: I might have a few connections. It's very possible.
0: <laughs> We've just never done it. I don't know why. I mean, it's so close. We- we talked about
1: it, you know, and we even talked about maybe this year this is our our uh our December Christmas time um, guys trip maybe. I maybe think we, we need
0: it. to make that happen. Yeah. I was
2: going to say don't do October, September, that is way too many people coming in for, you know, football and the colleges at U of L no. and Kentucky and things like that. People going, "Hey, I'm visiting my daughter. Let's go to the Bourbon Trail." And it gets wild, but Winter yep. time it could it could be a good time. It could be a good time and Well, you know, we, we got to mentioned... keep tradition. Exactly. Exactly. And this time you'll be able to ask a lot of questions and know what you're asking. Well, maybe.
0: <laughs> 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 I'll tell you I have I have run into a real big problem lately of I follow a lot of bourbon whiskey guys on TikTok now and they'll be doing a live stream and you know, I'm like, oh, let me pop in. 45 minutes later, I'm still sitting in this live stream. I'm just watching this man drink Bourbon whiskey, and uh, yeah, it's 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 fat. It's it's truly fascinating for me. I
2: like it. I, well, and, and <clears throat> I enjoy it. Um, I'm I'm going to get back to a music question here in a second. I got another one to tell you though. Sorry, Thinking I'm just about like, off like to oh, you're
0: good. But like, do <laughs> you talk
2: about you know doing creative stuff? Chattanooga whiskey. They had to figure out a, a barrel. You know what they wanted. They created like over a hundred and twenty some different barrels of wow. different recipes to figure out what they would like. Then they finally settled upon it, and if you if the the one that's their flagship now, the ninety one, that was in barrel ninety one, that was wow. the one they loved the most, was barrel ninety one. I have and not had they, Chattanooga. It it is excellent. You won't believe the age on it, and it is always in my my bar. But you know, so it's it's wild. You just never know what's gonna happen. And do you guys know what's gonna happen? You've been putting out a lot of new music lately. Are we getting an EP and albums? See, I can bring it back around. I can bring it back <laughs> Look around. Look at
0: that! Just a true professional, man. Um, we have a lot, a lot of great things uh, in the works. A um, lot, of, you know. We promised, we promised our fans and and people like we we are we have a lot of songs. You know, like Chris said, you know, we've we've been very, very fortunate to have a lot of great songs that we love. And what's a song if you keep it to yourself? So we're gonna pump out a lot of music to our fans, a lot of tour dates. Um, so a lot of, you'll be, you're going to see a lot of Sutherland in the near future, whether you like it or not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad thing. I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. And, you know, I I also got to ask this, you know, when you guys were coming together, was it weird? I mean, I guess after hearing this, it wasn't because you kind of already were acting as one, but was it weird to kind of all of a sudden for sure be a duo? And was there any weird diplomatic process during all of this? Or did you guys just get along with it with everything and it was good to uh, go?
1: Not for me. And I, you know, I think I speak for Matt on this too. I, I mean, it was just, you know, I think it was one of those things where we had already worked out, you know, ironed out all those details before we ever even considered being a duo. You know, we were out playing shows and, you know, it was never like neither one of us, neither one of us ever had like an ego about anything. It was. You know, it's, it's always been about the music for us, and um, and I think we played together for probably a year and a half or two years before we became a duo. And during that time, you know, we just grew organically and became a duo without even really knowing. Yeah. You know, so we didn't have any of those like growing pains about like, you know, we we never sat down at the the Mexican restaurant down the street and had. <laughs> A label exec like go, hey, you two are gonna work together now. It was yeah. never any. Those it was the most organic way that I think it could have possibly happened. And you know, we were buddies first, and you know, the music just came separate yeah. you know, second. And you know, we were you know, on the same page about that from day one. So
0: you know, I'll tell you what's crazy when when people find out that we are a duo. It, it it's almost immediate, like. Oh, That's incredible. Do y'all actually get along or is it just like all a show? I'm like We have literally never fought argued or really had any disagreements about anything and Which is crazy to think you know, you you put two CEOs in a business You'd think there'd be some sort of conflict. We don't we we kind of got lucky where our vision our Love of music and our love of the certain type of music and uh, you know just our lifestyles in general are very similar so man it 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 works over very well it works over very well so I'm very fortunate about that
2: and you know i mean you you talked about it too you guys played a lot bef- beforehand but then you played a lot together you know after it all i mean i think you guys were playing like every almost like every night all day every day like yeah. so i'm pretty much uh, to me you almost kind of cut your teeth the old-fashioned way and mm-hmm. you were able to kind of come up and really have a sound know what it was like and And I'm guessing that had to help, too.
0: Yeah. um, There were a lot of nights where we... The last thing we wanted to do was go play a dive bar for four hours. But, you know, looking back, man, it's... I don't know what we'd be without that. I mean, that's where we learned to entertain. We learned what music people liked. We learned who Sutherland was and what we wanted to be. I mean, it's it's trial by fire. And... Um, you know, when you're in a bar, with whether it be 500 people or five people, you still got to entertain the same way. And I think we kind of learned that along the yeah. along the way. Uh, and I
1: think specifically playing down on Broadway. You know, we did that for about two and a half or three years, probably. And I can tell you right now, if you can if you can entertain a crowd on on Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. I think you can do it anywhere. You know, yeah. if you're sitting up there with you know, in our case just ourselves and two acoustic guitars, I mean you're gonna have literally people from around the world that have come here to hear country yeah. music. They're gonna hit you with any kind of request that they can. And if you can pull that off and, and keep those people in those bars for those that four hour shift that you're playing in there, I I think we uh you know, I think you can I think you can do it anywhere. Yeah, you and know, and I, that's the way that we came up. I mean, we we really cut our teeth in, in those bars down there, so we learned a ton about about entertaining because it's yeah. it's more than singing songs. We're we're entertainers, I think, first. So
0: well, the thing about a Broadway crowd too is they're they're, you know, there's 30, 40 other bars down there that they can go to in a blink of an eye if they don't like you, and when you can keep a crowd, man, that actually says more than you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's like I said, there were some nights where you know you'd be put you'd be putting your guitar in the truck and. It's like, God, this is the last thing I want to do on planet Earth. And then you have to remind yourself, like, wait, 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 wait. I'm playing country music for a living. Like, that's the best job in the world, you know? So.
2: (laughs) And as we wrap up, you can find the guys on Instagram at Sutherland Music. We are Sutherland on Facebook and Twitter and at SutherlandMusic.com. And I guess my last question is just what's this journey been like for y'all? and I mean obviously the goal was always for this to happen but you know you never know how the ride's going to be along the way and and what's it been like
1: Man it's uh it's been a ride I'll say that <laughs> yeah. I'm coming up on Thank uh, the Lord t- for these <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I'm coming up on coming up on 10 years in October you know Matt and Bill so I mean we've we've definitely paid our dues you know, and uh, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun, but it's it's a lot of work, man. Yeah. You know, it's not just all of the, the glitz and glamour that we we might show on Instagram and, you know, that kind of thing. But every, everybody here is in the same boat, you know, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, uh, you know, we had we had real jobs, quote unquote, before this thing. And, you know, I was I was absolutely miserable. You know, I was making a lot of money working in Atlanta, Georgia, down there at Norfolk Southern um but it th- it was never what i wanted to do so really chasing this dream and you know and uh having that drive in me and really having the passion to pursue music and i wouldn't trade it for
0: anything man yeah it, it like i said it, it it has been you know anything in the world whether any kind of business really is going to have ups and downs and left and right and it's crazy that we've done this business through some of the biggest cultural changes world changes of our lifetime you know which has been crazy but man like chris said it, it's it's our dream job we uh you got to take the good with the bad you know if anybody that tells you that this job is nothing but you know gold and rainbows they just haven't been through it long enough i mean because any good thing comes with a lot of costs man and um we're we're having the time of our life sometimes we have to kind of stop and breathe a little bit like uh, you know like it's going to be all right but it's a, uh, it's been great man we've enjoyed it well and I, I have I have, a, I have a final question for you too oh, when we wrap up okay okay so
2: after i hit the stop button you got another you got a an after oh after no we show can qu- we can oh, ask okay. on the show feel free i, I I'm, that was my last question I, i'm good to go what, what do you got? so this
0: is this is a three-parter oh okay uh-oh. i'm taking i'm taking you at i'm taking you at expert here oh, all oh, right that, that's your first mistake i need i need i need three choices Give me your go-to zero to thirty dollars bottle 30 to fifty dollars bottle and then dream bottle like it doesn't matter the cost like what's so, what's your go-to
2: so on my go-to on the cheap end it's it's kind of what I've got in my decanter over there it's called Earl setter uh, it might be like a total wine brand I'm not sure it is 999 for for a, a, a you know a regular bottle and never even heard of it like I said, I think it might be like a total wine brand. I'm not 100% positive positive on it. There's a couple others like Evan Williams Bottle and Bond. Some of those are perfect at like, you know, $19. You can't really beat that. Um if I'm going in that 30 to 50 range, it's probably Chattanooga Whiskey Cask 111. So a little higher a little higher it. proof. Um, it's just it's just fantastic. It, it comes in like $45 cuz that's a hard hard range to find things yeah. in. Because um, almost everything nowadays, I feel like, is over 50. And if it's a craft brand, it's always over
0: 50. Well, I'll tell you another thing, too, man. And, and I've battled this as a new whiskey bourbon person. There's a lot of brands out there. There's so much. And who knows what's good and who knows what's not? And it's hard for me to, like, jump behind a brand I've never heard of and drop $65, you know. <laughs> it's tough. Uh-huh. That's
2: why I always tell people, because sometimes my buddies go, yeah, I bought this bottle for sixty five dollars. Like, why? Because <laughs> some of them, are like, I, I have samples of, and I'll gladly let someone sample it because I'd rather you sample it first, yeah, and then then see. And and that's why I tell them, I'm like, if you can go to a bar. Now, granted some of the bars will charge you an arm and a leg, but un- yeah. thankfully, where we live, there are some that you can get a a good pour of things for a good price. And I'm like, you got to try some of these because otherwise, you are it's blind. Because I mean. Mm-hmm. And you also might be paying for something, $75 for something that you can basically get for 45 or 40 It's just someone else bought it from a certain place and they aged it one extra year and nah, you know, yeah. to mean there's not a whole lot well, difference I'll tell there.
0: You, I'll tell you one thing we battle, man. We, like I said, we live in Nashville. We're an hour and a half, two hours from literally the epicenter of the bourbon whiskey world. You cannot find. Everything's allocated. And you'll go somewhere, and you'll try and get Buffalo Trace, or you'll try and get Blanton's, or you'll try and get all these things. And um, I had a guy, you know, me and – sorry, I'm on a tangent. But me and my fiancé went to St. Simon's, Georgia on a little vacation last week. And this guy had Ant- Weller Antique 107 at the liquor store. I was like, holy smokes, you cannot find it. And I was like, man, I'll take I'll take two bottles. And he was like, man, unfortunately, I can't sell it by the bottle. He's like I, he's like, I physically can't be the guy that's gonna charge you like a hundred, hundred and twenty dollars for for a weller. He was like, So what he does is like he gifts it to what he calls high tier clients, somebody that is a consistent buyer for him. And I respect that. I respected him saying that. Because he was like, Man, the whiskey bourbon world's so crazy he goes, I just don't want to price gouge you. Now, could he have sold me that bottle? Yeah, he could have. And I would yeah, I'm and i would have paid whatever but um it's it's crazy like the 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 drastic differences of buffalo trace for example can't find that in nashville to save your life but you'll go to to find
2: in lexington
0: yeah and and you'll go to fayetteville arkansas and it's just like in abundance and you're like this makes no sense
2: i'll never forget when i first moved over here it was pre-allocation for them so you would just go into the liquor store and the middle of a whole set of shelves would just be Buffalo Trace all the time, and I miss those days because those days th- are over. <laughs> now, now I just gotta pr- pray wow. I, my little local guy will post that they've got it yep. in, and I'll I'll swing by once, and then I'll swing by twice, and then I'm good for <laughs> a little while because you just never know when stuff's coming in, and it, it's wild. And mm-hmm. and to answer that third part, I really don't know, and I'll be honest, the older whiskey I don't always love; it's a little oaky for me. It gets a weird taste when it gets up into that like 15, 16 year old. I would love to try a Pappy Van Winkle haven't tried one yet. Um, but I've had a couple I've had some older ones from from some places and they're not always my favorite. I guess there's this magical number of like nine, 10, 11, 12 years that is kind of like the sweet spot for me mm-hmm. before it gets a little, little too oaky. So I don't know if I've got a good answer on that but I do love if you're going higher price point like maybe around 100 bucks some barrel bourbon out of out of Louisville. They're they're kind of a blender uh, of whiskey. They don't really make they don't make their own, but they blend it all and finish it all, and it's pretty good. Oh, okay. Uh, that well, that deal. would be that that'd be my my uh, my last uh, bit of wisdom to pass along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal, man. Well, that's, well Chris, that's always fun to talk about that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I I appreciate it. And Chris, Matt, this was a blast, and uh, I I can't wait to do it again.
0: Absolutely, brother. We appreciate you. Sorry yeah, sorry for my rants I've gone on. I'm just so interested.
2: It's what happens when we have a drink or two.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs>